Okay, uh, welcome uh, to sort of a, a side episode, maybe a you talking with Greg, a different kind of thing. Um, I've coerced my good friend, John. Uh, oh, coercion. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, and I wanted to get a chance to sort of walk through this thing called the iQuad coin with John and John in a Dialogos format. And John's uh, uh, graciously joined me for that journey. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. welcome, John. Oh, thanks, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. <clears throat> okay, um, so the basic background of this, what I thought I'd do is I'd give you a little bit of history, John, just so you know yeah. where this thing's yeah. sort of coming from, um, and then give a little layout about what what I, you know, uh, have done. The, the real prompt for this, like why now at one level, is because I got a bunch of new coins in. I was sharing them with people. Um, and then it was really a time for me to really create a formalized uh, frame on what this thing is. Okay, uh, and because it really has taken a hold in relationship to the overall Utah system uh, and operates as a particular kind of um, psychotechnology, knowledge system, et cetera, in relationship right, to Right, right, right. Um, yeah, that's, that's and, what I want to get clear about is what, it, what its functionality is and how it mediates right. it within the, within the system. Great. Um, and the short answer is, is that I am dividing up our sort of onto a epistemological languages into three broad domains and then transjectively interrelating them in a participatory right. fashion. I don't know right. where I got that from, but somebody used those terms. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, but essentially, as you'll see, this will become, so the tree then is our objective behavioral third person empirical scientific worldview of natural behaviors. Um, right. That becomes a big history map of that structure to theoretically then map the historical reality from a scientific perspective. Um, we get the garden. Uh, the garden then builds off science, but also infuses our ethical, moral reality to uh, orient us toward an intersubjective, uh, liminal, imaginal, possible value-based space. Um, right. So the garden then is positioned under the elephant sun god, which is the icon for the ultimate good. So the garden right, right. then is a, a wisdom ethos and a collective what would be a shared narrative to orient us toward the ought based on what is. Um, right, right. So, and if we think about philosophy, then of course that's our ethics and science or whatever, different kinds of structures, at least in Western philosophy, I think for good right. reason. And then finally, the coin is a placeholder for the unique ideographic subjective perspectival knower, um, mm. which is a different kind of, language game, uh, the life world, life quest language game of the particular individual, as opposed to right. say science, which is public, inductive or abductive, et cetera, generalizable truth claims. Uh, right. And I would argue those are pretty radically different uh, sort of onto epistemological systems of knowing. Right. So can I have a, uh, I don't know how much you want me to interject. Yeah, no, uh, please just ask questions. So let's, uh, so a, a question, and I guess it, it's a traditional sort of philosophical question to ask is, um, I, I see the tree, the tree of knowledge is pursuing mm -hmm. the true. I see the garden and the biblical illusions are present in my mind. Thank you. Yep. I see it as the good, but I don't see the, uh, the, the coin as the beautiful. It, 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 am I misunderstanding it or am I misreading it or? Get, great. Yeah, it's that's um that it is it's absolutely related to that, and actually you know, that will emerge itself in its concept. Okay, 
Sure. It's it certainly, if we think about it in terms of the problem of aesthetics from one level, subjective aesthetics and the orientation of our own lives toward what is vital and aesthetically pleasing from a subjective view, you get some of right. that angle right. in relationship to right, it. Right, right. Okay. Okay. And I would definitely say that the coin garden relationship is a good, beautiful relative to the true. Um, right. So the inner relationship between good and beautiful, which is kind of another way of saying it is that coin and garden represent humanistic, whereas right. science and true represents uh, is, is tree of knowledge, periodic table of behavior. So if we do a right. science humanistic blend rather than the tripartite, we do the dual, definitely coin and garden are humanistic and tree is scientific. Okay, great. Okay. That's good. Um, so it's also though that tree, we're going to spend a fair amount of time with the coin and um, tree relation where tree is, the coin is phenomenological um, right. and the tree is behavioral as two very right. different kinds of uh, epistemological frames. And then to get them on two sides of the same coin is part of our task. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, that's good. So, yeah, and, and I would then say, yes, yeah, that, uh, in terms of synthetic philosophy, how do you get an ideographic, and I keep using the word ideographic because there's both the problem of you know consciousness as we talk about from yep. a scientific yep. perspective, yep. Yep. but there's the contingent, unique, individual, historical creature versus the generalizable right. nomenthetic. That's a, yeah, I think it's very important, I've at least experienced, to tag those systems together to see, because they're different epistemological considerations. So that the, the point is therefore also perhaps so I'm saying perhaps as a question, is it also the existential dimension? The existentialists emphasize that aspect okay. of our ontology that is due to our self-definition, uh, our self-appropriation, right? Yep, exactly. Okay. And so what I would say, and in fact, this sort of happened, you gave us a sci cognitive science embedded in a tree of knowledge view of the self when we did the elusive eye and right. afforded us an understanding of sort of a scientific architecture, a credible architecture of the processes of the self that generalize, giving us a lens for that. And then right. I picked it up and said, yeah, and then Chris, and I sort of translated it when I did clinically, I was like, oh, I translated it into the coin, where the coin right. then represents the patient and the expert on themselves and or the existential dilemmas that they embody in the real world as unique right. ideographic um, you know, uh, individual. So it tries to capture that. This, the or sometimes I might say it, the the soul element of the person. If you right. use that soul to reference the the specific real embodied instance of the person, yes, as opposed yes. to the abductive generalized architecture of the thing. So the instantiation grounding of the person in their own particular self unfolding, self description, self appropriation. Exactly. So, okay. so, so it's Greg as self. Oh, that would, how does theoretical psychology, cognitive science map me? Yeah. Co coin Greg is, Hey, I care about my wife and John and, and I like uh, yeah. chocolate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. You know, that kind of thing. And then Chris put his finger on that as something that ultimately has its own uh, ontonormativity. Like it, it calls to us to make transformation in, in profound ways that are also an aspect of reality to us. And I'm thinking of Kierkegaard's famous phrase that truth is subjectivity. He was totally. I, I, I disagree with that phrase if it's taken yep. sort of literally yep. and unreflectively. But I, what he was trying to point out was, I think it sounds to me that that's like what you're trying to put your finger on. Well, there is a way in which absolutely there is. I mean, if we can go from Kierkegaard, we go to Descartes. Another place would be, hey, well, what is real? I mean, Descartes' skepticism gets to a point where the thing that I cannot um, eliminate is my experience and my knowledge of that. 
and, and yeah. the coin would take some of that as so in a in an ontic epistemic real sense the coin is speaking more to what's happening in the real world where science is more abstract and theoretical so it describes right. in a particular way right. so there is a real kind of grounding uh, that science doesn't really get it at the level of abstraction that it uses to describe events. Right. And I think that's important to keep in mind, people, that there, um, there's a great book called The Design Way um, that emphasizes the philosophy of design, like architecture and other kinds of things. And indeed, actually, I contacted the guy and said it's exactly the same issue in psychology, where he's like, actually, designers deal in the real world and the theorists deal in the abstracted world. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. And there's definitely, uh, I don't want to shoot that too far because it can you know, it loses, uh, depending on what you mean by the real, <laughs> you know, a lot of, but there is a, there is an angle. And to get to the existential piece, then the coin garden relation, coin garden sun god relation is, right. is the relation of then seeing oneself as embodied and sold, et cetera, and then transcendent. What is the actual good? How to be a good ancestor? What is the concept of God that's reflecting back on me? Whatever you, you diamonic endpoint, ultimate concern, we can talk about that, but there would be the orienting source of wisdom and goodness um, would then be right. represented by the icon of the elephant sun God. And the garden then is the idea of at least an aspect of a philosophy that would afford wise eudaimonic living. Okay, right. Yeah. So that's the basic ar architecture of tree, science, coin, and that, that will be apparent in relation. Um, so, and then just in terms of then the background of my own history, as you know, and I'm not gonna spend any time on this, but I will give you the history of the coin a little bit. So obviously I get dropped into the problem of psychotherapy in mid 1990s. Um, and then I basically say, hey, well, this is kind of chaos and you have all the value problems of psychotherapy. So why don't we base psychotherapy on human psychology? <laughs> And right. then I looked over at psychology, whereas I was trained as an empiricist, I always thought of psychology as science of empiricism and all of that. But then I needed an architecture of understanding. And when I looked at psychology that way, then it quickly dawned on me or, or you know, became apparent that I was broken. And then I had a couple of insights ultimately encapsulated in the tree of knowledge that gave rise to, um, you know, a potential architecture that could give us an ontology of psychology that's right, adequate right. for psychology. Okay. Um, so, and then I, so my first part of the journey then in say early, late 1990s into the early 2000s is building the, the uh, tree of knowledge system and the unified theory of psychology. And that's what I published in my book in 2011. Right. Okay. Right. Um, and so I then had the unified theory of psychology, which is the tree of knowledge system, justification systems, behavioral investment, and the influence matrix. And right. that provides an architecture to assimilate and integrate the different schools of thought to give rise to a coherent, intelligible, right. comprehensive frame. Okay. Right. <clears throat> then in 2011, after I published that book, I shifted to my attention to build uh, a unified approach to psychotherapy that would be grounded in the science in a particular way, and then applied to bridge, especially for individual psychotherapy, bridge character, uh, adaptation, formation, development, uh, well-being or its reverse and the cultivating processes like through psychological mindfulness that leads to health. And that gives mm -hmm. rise to the unified approach, which just attempts to assimilate and integrate, organize a common core of psychotherapy. Okay? Right, right. And so that's what I did from say 2011, 2015. Right. All right. And by 2015, then, you know, I definitely had these two branches and I would call it either the UTUA system, okay? Um, and then that's a little clunky and it, and it just sort of drifts into this thing called the ATUA system in 2016, okay? Right, okay. Um, 
And this is interesting given our conversations upcoming with Zach. Um, I was at a conference in 2016 uh, on transformational learning, international transformational learning um, right. that brought a bunch of scholars together. It was called Cultivating the Globally Sustainable Self. That was right. the uh, conference. Oh. Um, and, and then the question was, so is all these transformational educational thought leaders uh, brought together by our integrative uh, psychology program to talk about how do we <laughs> cultivate this globally sustainable self, right? That's right. Not a familiar yeah. question. Mm -hmm. yeah. And indeed, at the end of the conference, all the invited panel people got up and were given that, that was the prompt to then reflect on. So what's the answer? What is the self and how do we transform it and cultivate a globally sustainable one? Okay. And then I was in the audience, and while I really had an appreciation for each one of the individuals, I felt the last session was actually way more confusing in some ways. They had trouble grasping the yeah. rocking and grasping the level of abstraction that we were actually that the question actually gave them. Yeah. And so yeah, it was, yeah. they stumbled and oh, this is a really big topic. And so they couldn't really bring their slice, which they were brilliant individuals, they couldn't bring their slice to a big picture. Okay. And I was in the back, <laughs> as, is, as has been my life, John, I was in the back making dirt, you know, and I was like, and I said, I was like to the person next to me, I said, we should plant it to a seeds and grow it to a trees. Okay. So right. this is the thing had become UTUA. And this right. actually is the light bulb that gives rise to the whole garden metaphors in the back. Right. Of that right. Planting the seed, right uh, so, right. then, so then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> and, and I just was, as I was reflecting and telling you the story, I was like, Oh, this is really cool in relationship to the, you know, starting our journey with Zach and transformation and all of that. So right. actually, so anyway, the garden then was this whole, that's why it became this scientific humanistic knowledge system. It would afford the cultivation of education and development across knowledge, scientific humanistic knowledge, and could then be right. um, envisioned that way. So that's a, that's the, the origin of it. So as the garden grows, um, there then uh, the one thing I'll, I'll go back and I'll tell you, when I was in 2001, and I, I think I mentioned this to you, after I fell into the tree of knowledge uh, framework, I then dropped very deeply into physics because I really wanted yeah, to get an yeah. understanding of general relativity, quantum mechanics, classical mechanics, and all that, okay? Um, and I stumbled across a particular formulation that I felt to be really interesting, okay? Uh, in a thing called what I ended up calling the equivalency. Uh, and the equivalency is not a real math formulation, but it deduces things and gives rise to a symbol. Uh, and it's this, the, it, and I'll share that with you at some point, but it's two right. pi I F uh, equals right. one, okay? Uh, and it's that, that is a particular symbol that ties together, uh, and I can explain where I derive it, but essentially it's a unique case where a photon behaves, okay? The measurement of the photon and the kinetic action of the photon and the measurement into observer into justification creates an idealized equivalency that can then be right. represented in this two pi i f, at least in my own language, it represented a right. two pi i f equivalency, okay? And that was really cool from a tree of knowledge perspective because you what it put in there is that it, it entangled the human knower, the quantum, back ultimately to electromagnetic radiation coming off of Big Bang in right. a particular unified energy information field, okay? Right. And then represented it elegantly with this two pi IF uh, frame, okay? Right. Um, and really what the two pi IF was the leftovers of sort of the mathematical operators that were necessary to yoke the behaviors and observations together. So these, right, so the two, right. pi, the circle and the frequency and the um, imaginary dimension essentially were then seem to be essentially the 
architecture that would afforded the correspondence and confirmation or conformity between the observer observed relation. Right, right, okay. Right. And I was like, well, that's really weird. This circle frequency thing is this connection between a non-dual dual observer observed relation. Okay? Right, right, right. So I thought that was a cool, I actually brought that to, uh, I sent that to John Wheeler, <laughs> who actually was interested, although he had a heart attack and he, he got me his friend, uh, Ken Ford, and we went out to uh, lunch in somewhere in 2002 when I was at the University of Pennsylvania. And then it, it, it dawned on me pretty quick. I don't speak uh, advanced math. Okay. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't speak calculus and it's embarrassing and all that. And I feel all ashamed for that, but so there it is. I'm on record. Um, but uh, the, the, and he didn't know what the hell I was talking about because he didn't speak my right. language. Okay. So right. it just sort of like, it just sort of ended there. And I was like, well, I guess I'm full of shit. And, and it has an error in it right up front because the F does stand for oscillations or frequency of fluctuations per second which then shouldn't then reduce to equal one. Okay. So I knew that. And I knew that was in, and he was like, well, then it's probably, it's wrong. You know, it's like, mm, but I know I'm onto something. Okay. Right. At least uh, from this angle. So then in 2003, my wife bring home a, brought home a book called where mathematics comes from by George Lakoff and Rafael Nunez. Actually, it's a great yeah, book. Yeah, I think yeah. you, if you haven't seen it, it's a, um, and in the back half of that book, um, or not back half, the appendix of the books, the 100-page appendix on what they call mathematical idea analysis of what's called the Euler identity. If you, I don't know if you ever heard of the Euler identity or no, not. No. Um, the Euler identity, which I wanted to introduce to you because it is part of the, uh, is a, a mathematical proof by uh, Leonhard Euler, uh, U-E, uh, E-U-L-E-R, 1948. Um, although actually somebody probably developed it earlier. But anyway, it's E, which is the natural log constant, raised uh, and sort of raised is like, well, not exactly in the classical raised sense in a Taylor series way, but anyway, raised to pi times I plus one right. equals zero, okay? This is a, right. this is a classic mathematical proof. Um, and, it's a, and, and it ties together these constants. These are huge, unbelievable constants Pi obviously is very important. Yeah. Pi is the square root of negative one, one, right. zero, and E is, a, is another unbelievable um, thing. Now, what I was struck by in this equation were two things. I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> I mean, I'd never heard of this thing. And yeah. I was like, uh, and then I saw the way it was uh, organized and deduced and what it meant, okay? And essentially what it is, is a unit circle that fluctuates, and for some people, they say, if you think about the fluctuating thing, it essentially oscillates in a frequency that a lot of people consider to be akin to time. Okay, okay. okay? Now, this was a big deal to me because I was totally disappointed that my um, two pi i f thing was killed because it had a, essentially a leftover time variant, okay? Okay. All right, and, but with the e to the pi i, framing. And then uh, ultimately, I was then able to see, oh my gosh, the e to the pi i and the way they think about oscillation and rotation around the unit circle is exactly what the two pi i f frame was for me. Okay. okay. And so there was this, uh, and indeed the Euler identity, and I'll, I'll make this point later at some point, but just to give you background, it's considered the most beautiful mathematical equation. Um, uh, that, you know, if you rank mathematics and ask oh, mathematicians, really? yep, it's the most beautiful mathematical equation. 
by a pretty big, it almost never loses. Uh, and most everybody would agree that it's the, that, and like you put uh, people in fMRI machines and you ask them, think about the math, math, mathematicians and ask them to think about the concept of beauty, the signature that they get when they look at the equation and think about beauty matches. Okay. So oh, it's a very, very right. cool. It's an exemplar um, of beauty. It's an exemplar of beauty. So beauty is here after all. Beauty is here after all. Beautiful. Yes. And that's actually an entangled point that eventually will emerge itself. Okay. So, so bottom line was this, uh, is that this Euler identity um, was, to my mind, exactly what I, uh, the equivalence of what I had extracted with the mathematical elements and the nature of the, uh, the Euler identity is a special case of what's called the Euler formula. The Euler formula is actually a crucial formula in quantum mechanics and general relativity. Okay. okay. So, yeah. so I then realized that maybe I wasn't crazy after all is the bottom line. Right. Okay. Right. That's good. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, many people have asked that, John. And so, so eventually, at least there's occasional notches on the no side. <laughs> right. So, so that's a lot. That's basically the story of sort of, and so I can rep, I'm going to share the screen real fast and just give you, uh, and then we'll, uh, pause here and just sort of say, uh, so, so, so essentially what I'm sharing is that in, in 2001, I developed this thing called the equivalency and I'm not getting right. any background on that, but basically it's a, there's this unity of equivalence between an observer observed kinetic energy and measurement that I think is important. Okay. I then learned about this Euler identity. This is the E to the pi I plus one equals zero. That's the most beautiful right. equation in math. It, it's a special case of the Euler formula, which is actually really important in quantum mechanics uh, and general relativity. Okay. And then over time, I figured out a particular way, at least in my own uh, sense-making system, uh, to show how the two are essentially mirror images of another. Okay. okay. And so this is then the radical mathematical humanistic equation, all right? Wow. Whereby I simply substitute uh, the equivalence of two pi i f equals yeah. one right here, okay? Right, right. And what this then basically is, what you can imagine this is, this is sort of a mathematical container, and then you open up the doorway, and this doorway gets you into physics with observer-observed relations all the way through time, okay? Right. So that's okay. that. So it's like at the very least, even if it doesn't make any sense at the level of math, at the very least, what it is is a heuristic that says, and there is good justification for why the Euler identity contains this. It's not just a random thing. If sure, you look sure. at the way things are actually sure. built, so it's so it's essentially at the at very least a heuristic container um, that creates a particular identity. And then what happened in two thousand. Uh, Later in 2017, I had one of my little manic months, okay, when I was like, oh my gosh, and seeing connections and ultimately developed the I-quad path, okay? The I-quad okay. path, all right, basically gives rise to transforming this back into the I-quad, okay? Right. So uh, I-quad stands for, you know, square root of negative one. If you raise that to the fourth, that equals one. All right. Okay. Um, that is a that's a key thing to understand in relationship to the. Community. Oh, I see how you're doing the substitution throughout. Right. Okay. I see. So th okay. so basically, and this by the way, this is this is real math. <laughs> this isn't me yeah, bullshitting. Yeah. This is just yeah. this is this are, this equals negative one plus one equals zero in a particular frame of reference. Okay. Uh, right. So essentially, I get in and get out, <laughs> and right. uh, and have math be what it is in in proper relation, and then right. what I have. What I what emerges, okay, is what's left over is the subjective 
frequency of the relationship between my subject and the world outside, both at the level of observation and at the level of belief. Mm. Okay. So I'll say that again, it's both, it carries, at least in the meaning, it carries it both in terms of my grounded empiricism at one level, okay? And it carries it at the level of my sort of narrative belief about, hey, do you care, do you believe in the garden, all right? Meaning I believe in the garden, <laughs> you don't need to, but I do, and this is part of what I can see in real, from my sort of interior. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. And so ultimately then what comes out of that is this then coin operation, which afforded me an opportunity to create a placeholder for all and capture or create coordinates for the subjective identity of the knower. That's all then, then that's what I worked on. And now that's what I'd like to walk you through. Sure. Okay. That's cool. All right. So I'll just, let me stop there. Let's see if any of that seems uh, insane or any questions that emerge. No, no, I I see the derivation. Um, so I was brought up with the semantic interpretation of theories, which is uh, you don't have a theory until you translate the formalism into concepts uh, which can bear argumentation and critique. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that translation right now. Beautiful. Okay. So a lot of what this is also, we should go back and forth at various levels of theory. Okay. Right. Sometimes I'm in a descriptive metaphysical system. So an interlocking definitional structure that affords uh, sort of the edges and organization of intelligibility that then becomes alive. And sometimes yep. I'm in the alive zone. Okay. Right. So right now we're actually at the descriptive metaphysical architecture rather than, and sort of just the formal associations to build the system before we're actually at sort of anything that would, would warrant the term theory, I would say. But am I correct to conclude that hmm. that mathematical derivation is an attempt to show that there is in fact a bridging from yeah, 100% right, right. yes right. Okay. there will be there will be absolutely it has to in order so right now there's just a sort of the syntactical and definitional exactly. logical okay. formal meaning yeah. and then we'll get semantics and then we'll get semantics that describe and explain and then that will become all alive in relationship to theory good good okay okay all right um, so that's the that's the sort of like I, I, we, we took my history. Now what actually I'm going to do, I'm going to start at the bottom and then walk us through this thing from where it then evolved in terms of uh, the place that I can then share it with people. And this becomes what I just walked you through is sort of the formal backstory of the thing. Okay. Right. And now we'll say, okay, now it's actually now that has a particular backstory. And now let's talk about what this thing actually symbolizes right, right, as right, it emerged. Right. And, and then we can then say, is this kind of a useful formulation for that purpose? And then ultimately tie it more formally back. And then if that all of that works, then it's like, well, that's really cool. And if not, well, oh well. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So. Um, so the iQuad coin has these two sides, it has this side and the other side. And this part, I'm just going to give you an intro and overview yep. of kind of what I'm uh, giving to people when I give that. Okay. We already <laughs> talked about this. So the Utah synthetic philosophy framed by the tree, the coin, and the garden. Exactly. Okay, where the tree maps the natural behavior patterns from an objective science perspective, coin frames the subjective field of the unique human knower, and the garden is offered as a holistic intersubjective narrative oriented toward collective wisdom ethic. Right, right. So in terms of sort of the psychogeometric placement of these things, uh, we have the the tree of knowledge there, then the coin in relation. This is a a symbol 
kind of off two pi IF that's going to then uh, create a transjective identity between observer and observed. That's basically okay. what that okay. symbol would mean. That. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, and then, and so this would then be the relationship between subjective observation uh, and objective facts. <clears throat> um, then the, uh, it's a little jerky all of a sudden here, hold on. Anyway, uh, so then- it's fine on my end. What's that? It's fine on my end. Okay. So, okay, so anyway, the bottom line is that then on the backside of the coin, I'm going to hold on one second. I'm going to exit out of this because it's not. Um, I'll stop share one second and see. Something's going on with the uh, presentation part. Okay. Sorry about that. Well, technology will always let us down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think it's working now. So if I click to share, yep. Okay. Yeah, so, that doesn't have the little gray patches on it. It looks much yeah. better. Okay. So there's the tree. Okay. There's the coin. Right. There's the the intersection of observer observed. Okay. Right. The interface, right. transjective interface um, right. we can use. And, and this frequency of observed behavior or observer-observer relation is going to be a theme. Right. Okay. Then there's the garden underneath the elephant sun god. Right. Okay. And then part of what we're going to be getting at is the relationship between what is and then ultimately how is and ought intersect. Okay. So right. a scientific yeah. humanistic philosophy has the is ought relation. Uh, and then the relationship between this will be a set will be framed in terms of the frequency of the observation and ultimately a flip into what ought to be. Okay. 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 So this, this then creates a particular structure of identity or um, relationship between the various epistemological frames of the tree, the coin and the garden. Ah, I see. Okay. Keep going. This is good. Okay. So, and then we have the three domains of the um, science, subjective knower, a wisdom ethic, ethos, belief, collective belief system. Okay. Right. So now let's talk about now just as, a, as part of a now philosophy for the 21st century, a religion that's not a religion, we then have right. this thing called the coin. And now we can, the argument is, is that, hey, can we relate to the coin in a particular way? And this right. then summarizes the place and meaning of it for our collective. So now this is sort of like, okay, at a pragmatic psychotechnology level, how do we think about this thing? Right. Okay. <laughs> Other yeah, than yeah. merchandise we should sell for and get rich off of. <laughs> Okay. 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 So the first thing that to understand is that it symbolizes the human identity function. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which I'll be clear about then in terms of it affords the placeholder for the unique subjective human knower. It orients the subject towards your primate and person modes of being and knowing. Right. It symbolizes the human and the humanity dialectic. Right. It symbolizes the unity and multiplicity dialectic. Oh, wow. Um, and it represents part of the solution to the digital identity meta crises or problems in the 21st century. Okay. So th th this is the basic orienting 
um, structure of the iQuad coin. We say, hey, what does this kind of represent? These are the primary elements that it just that it holds and represents for us. Right. Okay. Okay. So, in terms of the human identity function, okay, it's in the shape of an H. Okay. Right. Uh, and if you rotate it, it becomes in the shape of an I. Right. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Very clever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a little, <laughs> and that it gives you the human identity function. Right. Okay. Right. Um, and that provides a descriptive metaphysical frame for the specific, unique, subjective human, and ultimately both in physical or natural and ethical space, at least as we define in relationship to the tree of knowledge in the garden. Okay. okay. And we can, I'm going to suggest that at least in terms of just sort of dealing with these as icons and representations, the rotation and flip is going to be represented as sort of the frequency of observation, rotating your glasses to see the world right. <laughs> and then flip <laughs> from what is to ought. That's, a, that's right. essentially what the symbolism represents. Okay? okay. That our task is to rotate, to see a, a forward, a, a accurate, intelligible, plausible vision of what is, and then shift from what is into what ought to be. And of course, obviously there's always an iterative feedback process. I'm not suggesting a direct right. linear, but I'm creating a logos architecture for the relationships yeah, yeah. between these concepts. Yeah, I see that, I see that. Okay, and so basically here's the, there's the flip, okay? Right. And then the frequency of the rotation and the flip into ought. So that's, that, that gives you sort of the dynamic relationship between is and ought <laughs> as it's represented in these uh, concepts, okay? Right, right. Okay, so it represents, like we said, the unique subjective conscious experience of being in world. I often think about this as an individual's particular epistemological portal. It's how they know about the world, okay? Yep. And so you can just then take some, whomever the specific individual is uh, and then place them on that spot, right. okay? As right. a placeholder for that. And I wanna argue the enlightenment split the first-person subjective qualitative experience of being in the world from the third-person objective measurement of behaviors in the world, and it never offered us a clear way to put these two epistemological perspectives together. Right, right. And the Utah bridges that with the relationship between the tree and coin, which are then enveloped into the garden. Okay, okay, okay. that's cool. So, and this then positions you talk in relationship to the enlightenment gap, and you know all this already, but basically yeah. um, we have the, hey, Plato said some cool stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, and we, and they had a particular kind of integration there, and uh, Aristotle said some cool stuff, and we want to retain yeah. a lot of this in relation, and the TOK certainly does, okay, right. um, in that it remembers and revives a lot of this. But we should be clear that modern science turned to physicalism and empiricism, I would argue, for its ontology and epistemology. Exactly, right? yes. Um, so that we had Aristotle and the church prior, you know, and then they did unbelievably powerful stuff through observation and measurement, okay? But the observation and measurement shifted for both very positive reasons and some negative reasons, uh, the onto-epistemology, okay? Yes. And I think yes. that you and I would definitely agree that we want to retain the one world version of reality, okay, uh, that yep. science affords us. Uh, but the way they remove formal and final causes, that's problematic. Yes. Uh, especially yep. for life, um, animals and human uh, beings and their behaviors, okay. Um, and the place and nature of subjective qualities becomes extremely difficult to square with the physical world mapped by the physical sciences. Right, right. So, 
Um, and I'm not getting it in, you know, the history of Copernicus and then the world yeah. grip that uh, got Galileo and yeah. all of this. Yeah. Uh, so if I was with somebody else, uh, I walk them through, but you and I walk through this and this is stuff we live. So then we get yeah. Newton and we get the basic classic mechanic universe as a clock. And we get the idea of determinism and we get the idea of reductionism basically. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, and then we struggle with, well, if that's the case, if that's the way the physical world works, how does the uh, mental world work? And of course we get mind-body dualism through Rene Descartes. Yep. Um, all right. Descartes. Uh, and we also get an important division between primary uh, qualities and quantities into secondary qualities and subjective qualia uh, by right. the empiricists. Okay. Um, then we get uh, at least certainly, and I would argue the, uh, British into American tradition uh, gets a Kant uh, in term, and I mean that because I I'm not sure where Hegel fits in relationship to like uh, empirical uh, psychology. I mean, empirical psychology seems I always say it's sort of like it's trapped between Kant and Newton, uh, and Hegel is an interesting character in relationship to that. But anyway, um, we get the Kantian re Copernican revolution. And the shift uh, from physical world to actually, wait a minute, we're grounded in epistemology and phenomenology. Okay. Yep. Um, so ultimately, though, I would argue at least certainly what I get handed in psychology is a Newtonian material ontology and a Kantian epistemology. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think that's a good uh, presentation. Um, I guess I would include um, other things in there, but maybe that's distractive. Like, I mean, I'm also very interested in nominalism and the role it's played in all of this. Uh, but let's leave that aside for now. I want to keep going. Okay. Uh, so yes, nominalism is really key. Uh, you know, it's a anyway. They're all, I'm I'm just sort of trying to really streamline that so we don't get. I get uh, that, and I don't I don't want to disrupt things because I want to respect that. You know, that's what you're trying to do. Okay. So anyway, the the, the Utah frame at least is what the Enlightenment leaves us. Um, you know, in a one nutshell version is this, and then we get deep confusions about the proper relationship between matter and mind and the proper relationship of what scientific knowledge is relative to social knowledge. Uh, and right. that embodies itself in the mind-body problem and the postmodern versus modern uh, conundrums, as it were, conflicts. Okay. Yeah. And you talk is about transcending, giving, resolving and filling the enlightenment gap with a proper model of science and proper then relationship to things like subjectivity and wisdom. And if we right. get uh, science, subjectivity, and wisdom in right relation. We'll understand the matter-mind relation. We'll understand science and how to translate scientific knowledge to cultivate uh, enriching lives and fulfillment and eudaimonic modes of being. Right, right. That's, uh, that's the vision. Okay, and that's then aligning our frequency and flip to ought in proper transjective relation. Okay. Right. Um, so trying to fill that gap. Okay. So the Iquod coin creates a and tree of knowledge create a descriptive metaphysical system that holds both the unique qualitative subject perspective of the specific human knower and the generalizable quantitative perspective on reality given by science. Right. Okay? Um, that's its structure to repair the gap. Okay. So what do I mean by framing the human subject knower? Well, we already talked a little bit about this, but basically there is a feedback loop from the inside between the perspectival knowing framed by the inside and the egoic narration of that yep. from yep. that unique perspective. Okay. Yep. We can embody this in a clinical field, for example, where we often say, well, the patient's the expert on themselves. 
Okay. And of course, we don't mean that the patient then can diagnose themselves or tell them tell them they, they know how other people treat them or react in, a, in any particular way. Yeah. But we do right. know that from the subjective field of experience of being, there's a particular feedback loop or presence or perspective that's uniquely privileged by the owner of that consciousness, as it were. Right. Okay. And that is the field position uh, that the this part of the iQuad coin faces. And this part of the iQuad coin is about offered as a path to wise living grounded in natural science and uh, philosophy. Okay. Okay. Now, there's, as you know, there's phrenesis, okay, which yes. is essentially the work of psychotherapy in many ways, or at least um, how to then live wisely in psychological suffering, psychosocial suffering situations, and then cultivate more adaptive living and how to actually do that on the ground. <laughs> um, and then there is, and, and in fact, the unified approach tries to provide a structure to guide people actually through the phrenesis process, okay? Um, there's also, though, the analytic scientific logos analysis architecture. And that's mostly what I'm, uh, what this fundamentally is about is about trying to get the architectural container of the various domains of thought in proper relation. And then we would put them in applied settings or other kinds of particular kinds of problems and see how they actually operate. But this okay. is getting that architecture in place from a macro descriptive metaphysical analytic uh, logos kind of perspective. Okay. Okay. So it frames the human subject of Noah. And we, we talked about especially like Descartes or others uh, privileging yeah. this particular kind of uh, knowledge from a particular way, uh, epistemological portal challenge has been to build that with the behavior of the physical world. Okay. Right. So right. obviously Descartes gives a particular kind of dualism uh, and the unified theory then says, actually we should divide human consciousness uh, into a different kind of dual field theory. Okay. So rather than, Think about it in terms of the matter and mind relation. Uh, the unified theory gives rise to the idea that maybe human consciousness should be divided into phenomenology. And of course, I'm not alone right. on this as a standard yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of now uh, frame of reference. But there's phenomenology on the one hand, okay? And then there's the narrating, self reflective person engaged in justification. Uh, right. So instead of matter mind duality, there is a bit of a duality in human consciousness. Um, but we can frame this in relationship to the primate person, dual field, separate fields of human consciousness. Right. Okay. okay. That's cool. So it is, so now we're going to bridge wherever you are. It invites then, if you're going to then start the process, see this whole, it's an iterative process of starting wherever the person is and then building bridges between this and the um, you talk worldview. Okay. Right. So here's a move then that says one move that we already did was, hey, the enlightenment is broken uh, and we need enlightenment 2.0 and the enlightenment's broken based on the gap. And this system says it can fill the gap. So that's one move. Okay. Right. Another move is it's got specific placeholders for subjective ways of being and objective uh, and intersubjective ways of being. And now we're making a move that says, hey, if we think about human consciousness, another key distinction should be the what what I would call the mind two um, domain and mind three domain. Yeah. Mind two yeah. of perspectival knowing that affords then procedural participatory yeah. knowing, all of which would yeah. be in the primate or shared with primates versus propositional personhood and justificatory yeah. knowing. Sure. Okay? So, so this then says, yes, now we're actually starting to invite individuals to think about their human identity and start to bridge and make connections between the larger system. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So that's one of the first steps. 
The second step then is to cultivate uh, a sense of the individual and then in the interconnection through an expansion of the ego into writ large. Okay. Right. And this then refers to the human humanity referent on uh, that they uh, symbolized by the you talk, uh, the T, uh, Iquan coin. So we have here you are and your beliefs, okay, as a specific individual, and the H then represents you as a particular human, okay. But there's also the opportunity for thinking about this as representing all of humanity, okay. Mm. So each person then has an H, and then we have a collective humanity. All right. Mm -hmm. So the, the H is human versus H is humanity then en enables us to situate ourselves in, say, the socio-ecological sphere of a dyad, of a triad, of a group. And then, oh, wait a minute, extend it all the way at least to humanity. And then I would argue, actually, we want to extend that further. But for now, we can then create a frame of reference for shared humanity uh, across the I-Quad coin, because we have uh, the argument is, is that, well, humans as person primates are wandering around operating in a particular field that can now be shared. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it has been shared, of course, but this, is, this provides a particular frame for that sharing. Okay. So then there's a unity multiplicity dialectic. Okay. And, and the argument here is when we look at the, you may not recognize that guy, that's Plotinus. Okay. Yes, of course. Uh, and of course what this is characterized by, there's the one, uh, and then the equivalence of the one, but represented through the multiplicity of the four or the many. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, one equals many. <laughs> and the argument is that this is true for both self, as we talked about, and the world. Okay. Right. Uh, and the unity multiplicity dialectic is key. Uh, and we see that uh, in many, of course, different types of traditions. And it's represented in the yep. yang on the Eastern side of the tradition. So we have the, uh, the basic position that, it, that we want a subjective, objective, and proper relation or through the placeholders, the primate person, human humanity, unity, multiplicity, dialectic, okay? And then the final piece basically then brings us even a little closer to the unified theory in terms of some of its assumptions, but it basically says, hey, we're in a particular place in our cosmic coordinates and time, okay? And invites us then to think about the cosmic coordinates of our personhood um, in frame by the fifth joint point and the digital identity problem and wanting to then orient towards the digital identity solution. Okay. Um, so the global context is we live in the age of confusion. We face meaning and meta meta crises uh, that uh, I frame as the digital identity problem. Okay. The digital identity problem I divide up into four different domains, techno environmental crisis. Right. Digital, and so that's the, hey, we got weapons of mass destruction and environmental depletion and resource yep. you know, difficulty. Digital, digital changes everything because it's a totally yep. new medium, okay? You may know a little bit about that, the meaning I've crisis. <laughs> yes. And, and for me, mining, all, both of our angle, mine in particular, okay, what is it doing to our yep. soul and mental health, okay? And these are all interdependent, even though these you're presenting the sequential, the sequential, they're all interdependent. And in fact, that's why I'd like to, uh, the, I mean, trying to represent it as the digital identity problem. <laughs> One way of saying it's actually the meta crisis can actually be then seen as exactly parts of a larger whole in a particular. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay. Uh, and that uh, if we, we if we don't orient ourselves in the right direction, I think there's a reasonable case to be made that we may face serious and nightmarish consequences. Yeah. Uh, so this is you know I don't want to be alarmist, but you know we we see this similarly. Okay, 
Um, and then ultimately, in terms of how do we place that uh, in relationship to then the actual mapping, we get a, the tree of knowledge argues that we can then perhaps think of ourselves uh, going through a particular joint point, uh, because with life, we get a information processing system. With mind, we get a different information processing system. With culture, we get language as a information processing yeah. system. Now there is a digital. <laughs> the digital is changing lots of different things. Uh, and then we need to find a particular way to relate our identities, not just to each other, not just to nature, but through the digital world. And the right, iQuad right. as a digit um, affords us a kind of particular relation uh, that may, at least through loose association, um, be uh, helpful in framing that relation. Okay, uh, cool. so that's a, and the final thing is, is that it, this also then connects to the potential of a singularity. Um, so there's interesting, uh, in terms of the evolution of complexity, um, I find some of the work on singularity to be fascinating. Um, this uh, work in particular tracked two different timelines of evolution uh, and argued for sort of this accelerating rate of, con uh, of framing and sort of places us in some sort of cultural digital techno singularity space. Um, and I think if we look at this logarithmic change over time, we can track the human evolution from hominid to oral indigenous to pre-modern to post-modern and ultimately maybe we're in a meta-modern digital age yeah. and we need new wisdom technologies to cultivate a different kind of enlightenment and enlightenment 2.0 to transition from the current sort of axial age type revolution into the back half right. of the 21st century. Yeah, I agree with that, of course. So. So there it is. That's the basic structure. Uh, so the summary is, hey, it symbolizes the human identity function, frames the unique subjective knower, orients us to the two fields of human consciousness, primate and person, symbolizes human humanity, symbolizes unity, multiplicity, and represents the fifth joint point digital identity solution. That's very cool. Very cool. So that's the overview of the system in relationship to what sort of, if you were sort of say, summarize, hey, as a psychotechnology, what is its orienting function? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically what, you know, so that's part one in relationship to the orienting function. So I'll just pause there and I've been chatting a lot and seeing what your reaction well, is. Well, it's your work. And so, I mean, <laughs> it would be, it would be inappropriate for me to interject a lot. I, I just interjected at places, making sure I was understanding things. Um, so that's really cool. So what's the, like the coin, I, I'm, th I'm thinking of, uh, who am I thinking of? Is it Geertz? Talks about, and Freud talks about this too, so to, you know, how, how it shows a property of condensation. It, you have all these different meanings and then they come together to be located in this. But the meanings aren't like derivable from each other. Their relationship, is, so, so is, it, is it, is the intent of the coin, and I don't mean this in a dismissive fashion, is the intent of the coin symbolic? That what it does is it gives people something to hold in mind that allows them, you said orient, allows them to bring and hold in mind all these different dimensions that they need practice holding in mind in order to meet the demands that you've already uh, discussed. Am I, am I getting it correctly? 100% correct. As a fact, I needed to make that point. I'm glad you brought it up. Exactly. So it's an associative identity orienting symbolizing structure. Right, 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 right. So it's like, it's like, yes, it's not like, oh, and that's why it sort of needs to be based on just the nature because you just it's, it's supposed to just sort of associate you with yourself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. how fluid and flexible it is, or at least that's the idea. And then builds just sort of invited networks of association. Okay. So, 
I don't mean this in any way as an insult to your work or to Christianity, but in that sense, it's deeply analogous to the cross. Totally. Where, right, all these different things are, you know, are, 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 are collated and curated and coordinated in the symbol of the cross. Some of them reaching into deep ontology, some of them re reaching into your idiosyncratic suffering. And what it does is it allows people to hold all these things together in relationship to each other and in relationship to themselves and the world and hold that all in mind in order to afford transformation. And you're proposing, again, no, 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 no blasphemy intended on your part, I get that, right? But you're proposing something analogous to that function. Am I, am I understanding that correctly? I, I love that. In fact, that's a, yeah, I mean, um, I've had that exact association because obviously, I mean, I, I, you know, I grew up, although I, obviously, I, unlike you, I did not get socialized into Christianity, but I grew up in a Christian world, obviously, at some level. Right, so right. It, it seeped into me and it obviously manifests itself in like tree of knowledge, garden, symbolism. Yeah, yeah. The, bibli the biblical uh, uh, imagery and symbolism is, is ripe in your work. Very and, ripe. And I think intentionally so, right? That's not totally. the top yeah. No, it wasn't. I would, the first when I first was called to call it the tree of knowledge, my my logical system actually said, I don't like that. There's something about that I really don't like. And then something happened within relationship to it so that I then was like, actually, yes, that is a that's the proper calling and eating yeah. off the tree of knowledge and the uh, and the ambivalence and ambiguity associated with that. And now ultimately to then do the garden. And indeed, the coin is very I often sort of the coins like the Bible and it's like the cross on the front of the Bible. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's the yeah. H, you know, it really is. Yeah, yeah. It does yeah. have a lot of that, um, you know, association. It's also, it also relates weirdly to capitalism, of course, coin and currency. Yeah. Um, and actually I'm really low to ever sell it. Like I only want to give it away. Okay. Right. You know, right. With a particular kind of, you know, yeah. um, and really because I'm deeply concerned about the consumerism and what capitalism actually, you know, it does to our souls in relation and how we're going to correct. And so it's essentially, it's a, it's a symbol of capital that is not capital currency, but social yeah. knowledge currency. Yeah. 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 I, I, I get that. You're trying to get people out of the having mode with this. Yes, exactly. So it's interesting. There's almost, I don't know, what, what, what am I trying to say here? Uh, there's almost an alchemical aspect to it. I don't mean it. What I mean by that is that there's an interaction. It's imaginal, right? There's an interaction uh, between the person's uh, psychological uh, phenomenology and self-identity and this physical object. And by manipulating the object in various ways, they can afford transformations in their, you know, uh, basically sort of, I would say something, I, I, are you aspiring to, uh, I hope you are, sorry, I'm being really, <laughs> really stumbling to transform their fundamental framing, right? Totally. So, because one of the things that um, I thought was, uh, that I've always argued was also missing in the enlightenment uh, was the reduction of everything to propositional truth and then the loss of relevance and the, uh, as an important under, understanding variable, the loss of connectedness, well-fittedness, and that then excludes the other kinds of knowing, et cetera. And I won't replicate that argument. Uh, and so, I, I'm interested because I, I've been reading a lot uh, about the Jungian literature about this, um, and you know you have to you have to wade through that with great care because there's a mixture of what and oh right, and when you whenever you're reading that stuff, but nevertheless uh, the the idea of I'm really fascinated with the uh, the capacity to use symbols almost like a talisman right uh, in order for like you use. 
and I mean no insult. You know, we're both coming from a, like basically a scientific oh, No, that's exactly, you know, yeah. I've been I've been stuck in the science religion that's not a religion for long enough to be like, I've got no offense. I love that. <laughs> so it's exactly, you're basically what it is. If what I mean by talisman is an enacted material symbol that can be manipulated qua a physical um, perceptual thing, right, then you have a talisman for a transformation that is designed to orient people both to, if I'm understanding you correctly, uh, uh, to a um, an ontology that would properly ground that transformation, and then something. I don't like ethics. It's not quite right. It's more like the the uh, a sapiential dimension that will allow them to also realize their aspirational self and not just their current identity. Exactly. So That's exactly the serious right. play. The serious play kind of. No, play. it's totally serious play. So, so you think about it. This is exactly. I love that. That's very. Uh, you, you see my body react. <laughs> so, because essentially, what it is, you know, the, the you know, you you hold this up. Essentially, first, it's a mirror. Okay. Basically, yeah. Right. right. So, oh, this is what I am. It's just like looking in a mirror. Okay. So right. it's essentially. And what do I mean? And now it offers enough gradient so that you can gain a hold of it. Oh, my subjective epistemological portal. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, my narrating and experiential perspectival right. self. Oh, okay. Right. Now I'm grounded in some basic field structures. Okay. Right. And then it's going to then say, oh, wait a minute. It's going to say, am I in right relation first with what is all the way back to big bang quantum and then through a natural right. science worldview. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Utah does not hold and frame technology yet. Okay. So one of the things yeah. it has to do, it does not do, uh, sociological, industrial, institutional tech yet. Okay, so that's yeah. like a that's sort of an another X artificial uh, yeah. civ human civilization is not something I've delved in. I've looked at a few, in, but that's really important because that's intersecting with the digital. That's going to now create yeah, yeah. much more yeah. interface. So that's part of the fifth joint point, and that's other people and their own knowledge and expertise, whatever. But yes, it's it's that self mirror, and then oh wait a minute, what ought to I do? You know, yeah, um, yeah. and then the the elephant sun god. It was just the icon, not the idol. The icon. <laughs> I remember right, you guys right, talked about yeah, that yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, that's at least my symbol for whatever your ultimate concern and good would be. So then it invites right. you to think about that. And then it orient. Then the garden is then seen as one particular path to phrenesis through sort of, especially through psychological neurotic trouble, you know, and more optimal psychological functioning, there'd be a whole other potential sets of uh, collective wisdom pass or however you might want to frame it that orients the liminal individual liminal group possibilities to become what it is that their valued states of being in the short and long-term would afford. Mm -hmm. So is the intended use now, so now I want to talk a bit about the pragmatics of it. Yep. Is the intended use like, um, you know, in Lent, Christians will carry around something in their pocket and whenever they touch it, it, it reminds them, sati, they remember, right? Or a Buddhist, you know, they'll, I carry around, you know, these talismans, you know, the stone and the frog to constantly remind me. Is that, is that the idea? Is that the intent? That's what it functions as, absolutely. Yeah, right. So, I mean, right. I carry one of these around and I just, when I'm, when I'm working or thinking or whatever, um, that's a, and, and when I give it to people, it's a symbol then of, you know, of the, of you talk and of trying to get yourself in right relation to the world of what yeah. is and the world of what ought to be, you know, uh, right, under, right. know thyself, know thy world, know wisdom and orient. And then, 
and relate to it and cultivate an authentic currency, not an instrumental, you know, mm -hmm. capital currency, but cultivate an authentic current, um, a current of wisdom energy between uh, that. And we'll get to some of that when we talk about sort of the path to wisdom energy in relation. But yeah, basically, it's a, I'm very interested in that. Going to create with chi and other things like that that yep. you and I've already started talking about. That's very, very interesting. Um, so our, I mean, and I know that this is all innovative and, and right on, and on the edge of your thinking. So don't miss it. Don't misinterpret this question as implying too much, but like, are you collecting any sort of empirical or even anecdotal research of people carrying around the coin or maybe clinical feedback? Like, like, are you doing any of that to see how people are taking it up? I haven't yet. And, and sort of that's the, and that's actually where, you know, it's evolved and, and sort of, it, it's had a couple of moments of real evolution. Uh, when I developed initially the iQuad path and proof day, that was, and that was actually before the coin. And then, so then I held this radical mathematical humanistic equation, which was sort of the symbolism and then into this iQuad path. And then the iQuad path start became the coin. Okay. Uh, right. But it was too, I mean, I'm already way the hell out there. And then this thing was too weird. You know, it's, it's had too much internal symbolism for me to really feel like I could share it with any degree of coherence. Okay. It was way too in, and it had too much insider baseball. Oh, uh, you're, you're, you're afraid it was monologic and you couldn't yeah. get into proper dialogue with other people about it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So then, then I built the actual coin, gave that around. People talked about it. Oh, you have, you have merch. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like kind of, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. So then I got the new batch in and really over the last month, essentially what's happened is that with the whole new batch and sending this out and it'd been percolating for a long time in my subconscious you know, default mode networks or whatever. And over the yeah. last three weeks, it's really then popped and be like, okay, I'm ready to say exactly what this thing is. Um, and it sort of emerged more also as I would help people delineate what makes the Utah different. It's like, well, it's got science and it's got wisdom and it has the subjectivity placeholder, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And actually are the self conversation that we had. Okay. The, yeah. I mean, the elusive eye, um, yeah. the elusive eye, the clarity with regards to the scientific ontoepistemology of the self and the subjective unique ideographic that afforded me yet another set of lenses in relation right, or another right, of, right. set of resolution around my scientific humanistic frame that right. allowed me to click on a couple of other key. Um, so now I feel like I'm actually in a place to circle the coin and then be, Oh, I actually know where it is. So that's essentially where I am with it. Uh, that's why I'm just sort of really just sort of like, okay, I'm ready to kind of share what the hell this thing is um, with, a, with a degree of architecture and clarity. It feels more or less complete now, at least at the design level to be shared. And then we can start seeing how people actually, you know, right. what to do with it. Um, so I have not done that yet. It's the short, that's a long winded answer saying no, I haven't. <laughs> no, but it's an, well, it wasn't long winded. It was, it was completely fair and appropriate answer. So it strikes me uh, that, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want as much as what we're doing here, but it strikes me that the coin also needs a manual of some kind to yep. right? So, and so is, is, are you also currently working on that? Like what is the coin and how to best use that? I mean, that's what we're doing right here, right now. Exactly. I hope I'm, I'm hoping I'm helping you. Oh my God, better. totally. This is what I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, you yeah. would afford me precisely this opportunity. And actually when, when we said, Hey, will you do this? I was like, Oh, I mean, I spent this last week building these PowerPoints precisely because I wanted 
um, yeah. to yeah, you know, share with you so that you can metabolize it and you are wonderful at then empathizing and extending and dialoguing in serious play modes to be like, and so like your point about, oh, it's a symbol. It's like, oh my God, that's exactly it. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the architecture is forming as we speak. <laughs> so. That's good. Yeah, it, it like, I think like once you have something like a manual and that could just be a video that you put on YouTube and people go and watch it yep. once they have the two, once they have the coin, right? I think if you have that, um, I mean, and you can, you know, you could have a few conversations like this with me and other people yep. and then you, for people who want to go deeper, they can look in these in-depth conversations, but if they just want to start using the coin, they can sort of take it on faith that there's a, a background justification. They could just use the manual and go into the coin and how to use it as a talisman of transformation. Uh, so that would be really, really, um, I, 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 I guess to my mind, that's the next step. Totally. And then what, once you have those, that, that sort of three tiers in place, the long form sort of, you know, just, or, you know, theoretical justification, the shorter form video around the manual, and then the distribution of the coin itself, you could perhaps ask people to engage at least even in journaling about it, uh, when they're using it, when it's coming up, right? And, and just even do a qualitative analysis initially uh, to see what's happening with people. That would be very, very powerful. Um, wow. Totally. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to. I don't want to give you work. I was sorry. No, John, this is a. Yeah, this is exactly yeah. what I wanted to share with you. I mean, I need to right now. You know, it's like it's like a des research and design phase, and then you get it. So you actually now have a prototype that I can. Actually yeah, you have a prototype. I trust, and then you know, I see all of this, but it's you know, it's an inside baseball game that means something for me. It's always then the issue of then translating that. Um, and uh, what did you call it? A talisman of transformation. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, a, a, that's just, Oh, that makes my heart sing. Um, yeah. And that's, a, and in fact, that's inside the, like, for example, okay. Um, I've already developed certain kinds of things where people can do things like flip the coin. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you flip the coin and if it comes up this, then you can ask yourself some things about yourself. You can ask yourself some things about humanity in relation. So it immediately implements yeah. Okay. If it comes up then this side, then you can ask yourself other kinds of questions about knowledge and wisdom and relation and consciousness and things along. You those could lines. also spin the coin and get the stereoscopic integration. <laughs> and what does that what does that call forth from you, right? Totally. When you're doing that. Well, I, I've actually even done that. I mean, because on oh. the left side, you have the tree and on the right side, you have commo and in the middle, yeah. you have a metaphysical empirical. Okay. And then on this side you have, so as, what actually happens as you spin it is you actually see your subjectivity twirl into the metaphysical empirical center of the tree, flip over into the natural section, one around into a calm mindfulness state and back out the other side. That's very cool. Yeah, see, that's the kind of stuff that needs to go into the manual, ways right. in which you can seriously play with the coin, right? right? Yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. Oh, great. I um, think I, highlighting, I mean, I think for most people, just knowing that the background justification is there is all they'll need. I think highlighting the serious play, the aspirational dimensions, and the way it affords this kind of, you know, transformative self-reflection, I think that should be, I don't want to use this language. I was going to say that should be the way you sell the coin, which is exactly not what you, how you are, but you know what I mean? That's the way you well, make, that, that, make That's the other back. thing I wanted to talk to you about. It's like, I mean, you struggle with this, but I mean, you're more effective at it than I am, but yeah. How do we get people like, you know, excited, but not in some sort of market cheesy sort of way. Right. But how do you actually, you know, how do you, in this day and age of attentional seeking, 
what is it to bring individuals and, you know, and show them the utility in a deep and rich way that then has deep enriching consequences, right? Rather than uh, other consequences that are much more problematic. So that's, you have, a, that's why I wanted you to metabolize that. This is a brilliant set of ideas that I um, can immediately see all sorts of possibilities flowering from. I think if you make connections with due humility and respect to the way people should properly use other icons, like I, 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 I'm not a Christian, but I dislike it when people, for example, wear the cross and it doesn't, it's just a piece of jewelry for them. It's just merchandise for them. It's Christian merchandise or something, or it's a simple flag of, I belong to this tribe, right? Whereas if other people are, have a properly contemplative relationship to and through the icon, then there's a proper use. And I think if you, if you, if you made those comparisons, like we've talked about here, and did them with you know humility and respect and said, I'm not trying to replace Christianity or anything ridiculous like that, but I want you to understand that we do have a facility for this kind of serious play, and I'm trying to help you access and accentuate that facility through the use of the coin. I think that would be the how I would try and present it. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, I, I like have a learning disability on those kinds of issues. I, I, but, but I hear it and I know exactly that. So that'd be brilliant. I'm actually curious. What, what, did, what did you pull out and, and what did you, what were you carrying? What were the symbols that you were oh, um, carrying? So this is my frog. Okay. So frogs are uh, a symbol in Neoplatonism of transformation because you ah. go from being a water dweller to an air dweller. So it's oh, a wow. symbol of self-transcendent, self-transformation, right? And so I carry the frog around to sati, to remind and remember myself of my commitment to the Neoplatonic tradition. This stone, I was on the beach with my beloved partner in San Diego, and this stone just rolled up to me on the beach. And she said, that stone is seeking you. <laughs> so I picked it up. And I For returning to Aristotle. <laughs> yeah. All stones I, to I, John. <laughs> I picked it up and it immediately, like the blackness and the smoothness and the irregularity of its shape. For me, and, and the way it, it came to me uh, strongly connoted sort of the Zen tradition that integrates Taoism and Buddhism. Sure. And so that's, and so this is, you know, this, this makes me think of, right. You know, you know, you know, Nishitani, Nishida, uh, those kind of people. And then I'm holding the two together. Um, and I sort of, uh, when I, when I do my practices, I sort of, I pick this one up and I say, trusting in the transformation. And then this one with reverence for the revelation. Right. Mm. Um, and so I actually Im embed them. That's why they become like talismans and no yep. woo woo and no weird metaphysics, but they become talismans of transformation for me because I embed them in practices of transformation where they have that exactly that, that condensing, collating, curating, right. Compiling whatever metaphor you want to use for how we draw all these things together and then fold them in uh, actively in mind. Cause I think that's the proper function of this symbol that allows us to fold in mind but otherwise we can't hold in mind. Um, but if we, we can talk about that another time. So the, yeah, I carry these around constantly uh, with me. Uh, and, uh, and what I do is I enact them um, every day. Um, mm -hmm. In, in Neoplatonic tradition, this is called animating the figures. And mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. can, in California could get very happy about that, but that's not what I'm trying to mean. What I mean by it is making it being a living symbol rather than a dead symbol. And people know what I mean by that. So that it's constantly attracting my attention, reminding me of, and helping me recommit to the paths. And so I, I immediately 
So I, 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 third person, I thought of the, the coin in terms of the Christian cross mm-hmm. or the Taoist Tao, because you, mm-hmm. you didn't use that. But personally, I thought about the icon, uh, you know, icon coin as doing something analogous to what my frog and my stone do. That's exactly, and and the the, the two sides essentially. Yeah, are exactly, exactly. Very and for much. me, right? The 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 proper representation of uh, the dialogical and irresolvable tension between these is precisely what I. It, it it can only be resolved in living it. I can't. There's no final sort of no no. I will reduce all of this tradition to this or all of this tradition to this. That's a ridiculous thing. But what I can do is, I can get them into right relationship with each other so I can be in right relationship with them. So, so, and for, for me, in terms of just that, you'll appreciate this because this is connects to, um, so this is more on the subjective. Okay. Right. Then the, the tree of knowledge side of the tree is the objective. ComMO is sort of our inner subjective collective value states of being and flipping it. I had another John Verveke moment when I flipped it, that created a transjective. You know, yes, yes, because all of a sudden it's spinning and now they're in, they have to have dialogical, dialectical, interactive, transjective relation. And now they're all the information interface between all the domains, uh, you know, is then going to, where is it going to (laughs) land? And that's valuable because the, the thing about a good symbol that makes it iconic is it shouldn't be, it's got to get this sweet spot between being uselessly ambiguous and being so clear that it's exhausted. Like it has to be inexhaustible. That's why I talk about the inexhaustible fount of intelligibility. Right. You can keep using it and getting insight, right? And, and you have a sense that there's always going to be something more I can get from this well. The Tao is a well that is used but never used up kind of thing, right? But at the same time, everything I get is helpful. It's clarifying, it, 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 right? That, Yeah. So sorry, I was babbling a bit there, but that's no, uh, not at all. That's it's exactly. Actually, I feel very um, fulfilled. I mean, we can you know bring this to a close a little bit. I, I, the a talismans of transformation. I mean, that was a, that's worth the time right there. I just I feel uh, <laughs> uh, and you know and I love and that's exactly what I was looking for. So I thank you so much for the reflection because I when I needed because I'm so inside of it and I have trouble, you know, cause it's sort of like, yeah. you know, you're, you're so inside and it's hard to see what it is from the outside. It's like, it's yeah. got so much potential, but how much of this is only imputed upon my own unique perspective on what it all means. Um, right. And so what, what this is broken for me a little bit in exactly the right way that I hope it would be, be a frame break that affords me. Oh, right. Exactly. It's like those things. <laughs> and I knew yeah. that it's sort of like, but, yep. but your position on it, FC allows me to be like, of course that's that's what it is as opposed to, you know, the, the insider baseball shit that, uh, that is, um, I get tangled up with sometimes, but. And it's properly respectful to your work because you've already been using, you know, powerfully pregnant symbolism throughout the presentation of your system. Totally. Right? That's what it evolved into. I mean, I, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. I did, I mean, it took uh, the tree of knowledge and then I was like, well, it's weird. But then the garden and coin, you know, and the garden yeah, and coin yeah. basically birthed itself out of that. And then it does, you know, and bridge to spirituality, all of that. Uh, and to create an interface between our values, spirituality, science, one world, um, you know, you, ways of being uh, that are afforded a lot more sustainability and fulfillment. So it would be great if we could get to a place where we could get a bunch of people taking this on um, individually, but also getting together and discussing their reflective, you know, re- sorry, respective, but also reflective, respective experiences with using of the coin. And because I imagine that that itself will also spin off, spin up a, 
uh, uh, the higher dimensionality for the coin that you're seeking. When people start to and like like when, and when people come to you and say, "Do you realize you can do this?" and you go, "Oh, I didn't," but that's great. Then that's what I mean. That's that's the sign that a symbol is taking on a life of its own, and that's precisely the essential feature of a symbol. Beautiful. Well, what I'd like to do then is we can wrap up today. Um, yeah. There's there's two more sort of parts that I'd like to walk you through if you're willing. Uh, and so at some other later time, whenever we just, you know, this has been great. Uh, so there's the, the second part delineates the four sub functions. Okay. So there's yep. four sub functions yep. that enrich this human identity piece so that we then yep. really yep. ground it more clearly in a particular kind of first person onto epistemological framing. Um, mm -hmm. and then that also sets the stage for the iQuad path, which is the third part. Uh, and the iQuad path then grounds you more both first into the physical and then flips you into uh you know the liminal ideal and then the is ought relation is achieved that way so right. if we see that structure and then you know it's already been beautiful i really appreciate the this been a well let me know we can work ones. it out i mean we can we mm -hmm. can for a while if you want to sort of toggle back and forth between uh this discussion yep and the discussion of yeah we can do the part. book for a little bit this will but this is yeah. perfect i really this took yeah. me exactly where i wanted to go with it so um well i, I deeply appreciate the dialogos my friend it's exactly well, it feels very uh uh enriching and and exactly it's, it's, i'm already mulling over i look forward to my walk because i'm going to be thinking all sorts of things that you mentioned well good <laughs> wait, wait, which dialogue is it is it is it in the phaedrus where you know uh, friends have all things in common when socrates gives the, the prayer mm. at the end of the dialogue mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. right. Make the prayer for me as well, because friends have all things in common. Um, so I'm glad I could be of help. Um, and um, I, I, I am willing and happy to help again when you see fit. Great. Okay. Thanks so much.